uh, series uh, today from the scripture. Father, I want to thank you. Minister to us through your word today and encourage us to live according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about obstacles in the way. Obstacles in the way. Obstacles in the way to your destiny. Obstacles in the way to your dreams. And we have to understand that this is the way God's made it. There will always be obstacles in your way. Into every life, some rain must fall. Into every life, there are going to be dark clouds. Everyone, is have, everyone will have to go through it. It doesn't matter who you are, you will have to deal with this. Remember that God is not the one who is putting an obstacle in your path. God doesn't want to stop you from reaching your dream or your destiny. In fact, the dream and the destiny you are pursuing in your heart, he put that there. He put those things. He builds you up and puts the dream in your heart. And he will stay with you until that dream is fulfilled. There will be many rivers and seas to cross on your way to your destiny. In every destiny, your land of promise, or let me put it this way. In every promised land, there are giants. You have to kill those giants for you to get in there. The strength of a soul depends on three things. The strength of a soul depends on your ability to endure, persistence, that's very important, and perseverance. These three things will determine whether you are a weak or a strong soul. Because everybody's going to have something pending in your w- the way to your destiny. Maybe you've experienced this before. You know, God's told you something and everything seems to be going well for a while and then all of a sudden it stops. And then you're dealing with situations that you never imagined to deal with. And you're beginning to wonder, is this God in the first place? Now, the thing to remember is this. What you want to ask yourself is this. Do I love God? Do you really love God in your heart? This is very important. Because every one of us is going to face some difficulties. But do you love God? Are you willing to lay it all down for God? Is this a game for you? Because if you don't truly love God, you will never discover your destiny. You won't discover it, you won't pursue it. Now the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
eye had not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them to us by his spirit. So if you are in God's spirit and you truly love God, there are things that God's prepared for you. Every one of us has a destiny. There's, a play, there's something that God has prepared for you because you love him. But just because you love God does not mean you are not going to deal with difficult times. So you have to learn to endure. You have to be persistent. You can never give up. You have to persevere. Because those things will determine whether you are weak or strong. Many times people give up their dreams. Because of the difficulties they are going through. They can never see themselves go through that obstacle. But if you are in God's will, there's a giant that's going to stand in your way. There's going to be a mountain standing in your way. You either have to go around it or go over it. You have to stay the course. Otherwise, you won't get to your destiny. Sometimes, the obstacle is a circumstance. At other times, the obstacle is just people. Amen. And sometimes the obstacle that will be in your life are well-meaning people. Remember Job's friends. They wanted to comfort him. But they made him say a whole lot of stuff that he didn't want to say. At the end, God was saying to him, Who is this? Your words are really tough. You don't have any understanding. Job had to repent before God turned everything around. I want to share a story just to illustrate this. And where persistence pays. In Mark chapter 10, beginning from verse 46 through 52, it says, Now they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road, the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling for you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. 
And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. We don't know how long this man had been blind. But I'm very sure that he knew of Jesus. He had heard of Jesus. I'm sure hearing about Jesus and everything Jesus was doing in the land, he was hoping some way, somehow, he was going to get well. Maybe one day he'll meet Jesus, but he didn't know how to find him. He stayed with what he, was, what he knew, just begging. But when you have hope inside of you, God comes. Jesus showed up, and Jesus was passing by him, and he heard that this was Jesus of Nazareth, the same Jesus he had heard about, that could heal the sick, raise the dead, and he was not going to let that go. So he began to yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many warned him, he says, to be quiet. But he, shout, he shouted even more. Sometimes people who mean well, I'm sure all they were thinking, we don't want this man to disturb Jesus. I don't know what they were thinking. But somehow they were standing in the way of his miracle. That was the only opportunity he had. Many times we listen to people when we have difficulties, problems in our lives, and they're telling you, you cannot make it. You're not going to get to the other side. You see everything that you have to deal with. You're saying things that you really believe, but they're letting you know that's never going to happen. You don't have what it takes. You can't have an education. Things are so bad for you. There's no way things will work out for you. You can't make it in life. This new business that you're starting, you don't really know anything about it, but you know God placed that thing in your heart. How are you going to make it? You don't have the resources. And when you have people speaking to you, you want to give up. But this man didn't give up. The thing that is, we need to see from this, sometimes the same individuals who are trying to prevent you from getting to your miracle will rejoice with you when the miracle came, comes. Notice what happened here. After Jesus called for him, they said to the man, Be of good cheer, he's calling for you. So they knew and understood that Jesus was able to heal him, and yet they were trying to prevent it. Can you understand this? They knew if he got Jesus' attention, Jesus will heal him. Because they said to him, be of good cheer. He's calling for you. In other words, your troubles are over. He's calling for you. Why then were they trying to stop him? That's life. There are going to be obstacles in your way. There are going to be voices in your head and in your mind from your friends, your, your close relatives that are telling you, based on everything we see, you are not going to get your miracle. But don't listen to them. Endure and persevere. Stay with it. They told him, be quiet. Actually, they warned him. You better be quiet. He said, your voice is not loud enough. I'm going to yell over that voice that you used to talk to me. 
He, did, he yelled over their voices. That's what we must do in our lives if we want to get to our promised land. We don't know how long this man had been blind, but he was not going to let the opportunity go by him. Many times it seems to us that God's just passing by us. That's what they thought. Jesus saw him and walked right by. A blind person. This is Jesus who heals all kinds of sickness and disease. He walked by. Just because God not answering at the time that you expect him to, doesn't mean he's walking by. He was paying close attention to what that guy was doing. He wants to see if you will stay the course. Or if, there is an, if you have to deal with an obstacle, you immediately say, I'm not, it, it won't work. This is not going to work. You got to stay the course. Don't listen to people. Don't let them discourage you. If God gave you that desire, it came from Him. If you love God and you have a desire to succeed in any area of life, God put that there. Don't let the fact that things don't seem to work let you, make you give up. Think about Joseph. After the dream, those dreams, if we're looking, it from, uh, looking at it from the natural, he was going further down. Right? He was going further down. Many of us will give up from Potiphar's house. I mean, it seemed like things were, things were going very well for him in Potiphar's house. Probably a little bit of hope. And then you will expect things to get better. No, he went further down. From Potiphar's house to prison. But you cannot read a word in the scriptures of Joseph talking to anybody about his situation. Except when it was time for him to give up. It's better not just to listen to people. Sometimes God will use people to test you. They mean well. I tell you what. If you stay the course, those that oppose you will celebrate you when God's through with you. And that's what happened here. So you better not listen to them. Because for every promised land, there are giants standing in it. And you got to fight. You got to fight. This man fought for his, for his sight. He fought hard. It was a brief fight, but it was a real fight. And Jesus was right there paying attention to everything that was going on. Knew the man. I'd known the man from the day he was born. Knew he was going to be right there on the street. And I could guess he walked by him because he knew he was going to be there. And yet, it seemed as if he was walking by and saying nothing to him. He's not just walking by you. He's paying close attention to what's happening to you. Don't stop screaming. Don't stop talking to him. Don't stop praying. Don't stop reminding him that this desire I have in me, it came from you. You got to do something about it. Don't let naysayers stop you from saying yes to God and crying out to God. And that's what this man did. He cried out to God and God called him. Obstacles 
are just God's way of doing things. He allows them. There's always the other side with God. The children of Israel in Egypt, they have to cross the sea, river Jordan, to go to the other side. But before you get to your other side, which is the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, you got to deal with a lot of issues. A lot of things that you have to confront. And if you don't stay the course, you'll never get to the promised land. If you're weak in faith, that's what we deal with, you'll give up. Because all you see is giants in the land. And you are not able to get there. It's always, this is so consistent. That's the way God does his thing. God tells you, I have given this thing to you. But then he tells you to fight for it. If you've already given it to me, why should I fight for it? The other time I told you, God loves fighters and hates quitters. Because his way is for us to fight. He says to fight the good fight of faith. Endure hardship like good soldiers of Christ. You got to endure it if you are going to win. How are you going to win if you don't fight? You got to fight. It's just God's way of doing things. Now, if you read in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Rise, take your journey. God speaking to the children of Israel. Rise, take your journey and cross over the river Anon. Look. Now, God saying, look. I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Eshbon, and his land. So God's already given you the, the land, right? And he's giving you the king. So all I have to do is walk in and the land belongs to me. But that's not what the scripture says. God said, look, I have given this stuff to you. And I've given, given to you their king already. They, they, they are yours. Then God says, begin to possess it. And engage him in what? In battle. Well, you give, and then we still have to fight. That's the way of God. You got to fight. That's why the scripture says, I believe in Matthew 11 verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. I've come to realize, once I start feeling symptoms of this uh, sickness, you know, and there is something in us, I, don't, I can't explain it. You just want to go crawl in bed, and, and you know what I mean? <laughs> For some reason, the fighting in you doesn't want to, you don't want to fight. You just, it seems easier to just crawl in bed and call, darling, I'm feeling sick. It's easier to do that. Can you give me some hot soup and all of that kind of stuff? It seems easy. You just don't feel like fighting. But God wants us to fight. We have to be good soldiers of the cross. It's just God's way. 
It says, rise and engage him in battle. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. I used to wonder, man, what is this taking it by force? Would I have to fight with God? The kingdom of God, I want it, but I have to fight? Yeah, you can't get anything without Satan coming and opposing you. You got to fight. That's what happened with the children of Israel. Theirs was a shadow to what we are experiencing. God said to them, I've given you a land flowing with milk and honey. But in the land, I mean, he's God. He could have gone in there and wiped the people out and then they can just go in. No, they had to fight for it. And let me tell you something about the obstacles God placed in your, your way. The obstacles are to build in you the character that is required to live in the promised land. That's all the reason for that. It's not like God's taking the promised land or your dream away from you, but he knows for you to get into your promised land and enjoy it and remain in it and pass it on to your children. You need character. And without these obstacles, you'll take everything for granted. And you won't be responsible. So God allows it. And you have to go over it. God says, you haven't learned the character now? You want to go into the promised land? It's not going to work. Let's go back again. One more time. For 40 years, they couldn't learn a little lesson back and forth. That's just God's way of doing things. He said that you're going to confront it now and deal with it. And let God build in you the character, the spiritual strength that you need to stay in the land and be prosperous in your, pro- in your promised land until you yield to that and you are a fighter. God says you're not ready. Joshua and Caleb says we are, we're ready to fight. And God says, good boys, you will enter. Many times we give up too quickly. We give up too quickly. Angel and I, we, we, it's even till tomorrow, we're still dealing with the issue. We started our church, you know, this is, wow, this God's with us, wonderful. We got miracles and all of that. And then one Sunday, the house is filled with a lot of people and we are cl- high-fiving. Oh, we can't wait till the next Sunday. We got all these uh, chairs arranged, and now we can, before, this Sunday we have no space for them. We we'll put them uh, all the stairway and back in the little balcony we had there, and we're rejoicing. Our church is growing. This is wonderful. Yeah. And then the following Sunday we can't wait to wake up in the morning. We got all the chairs, you know, more chairs all over. Ah, we don't have enough chairs. Put more, more, more. And then only five, the nine people show up. And Angela and I would look at this. Are you sure this is going to work, really? Where do we go from here? What happened? Did we, did we offend them? They don't like us anymore. What's going on here? But God allows it. To see if you will quit. He allows it. 
to see if you will quit. That's why God says, don't despise the days of small beginnings. Just start small. You may have a little setback like Joseph had. But God's still with you. That's what you have to have in mind. All you need, God's with me. That's all you need. That's why I said, do you really love God? That's why, I, that's, so, that's so crucial. Do you truly love God? If you truly love God, no matter what's going on, He is with you like He was with Joseph. And you will arrive at your destiny. A destiny. What did I say? Destiny? <laughs> Please cut that off the table. <laughs> and nobody repeats that in this church. <laughs> destiny. Where did that come from? <laughs> Uh, wow, that is interesting. <laughs> My wife is not going to let me <laughs> when I get home. Yeah. But that's why church is such great fun. <laughs> but the truth is, God expects you to, to fight. He says to you, and that's what we don't understand. Let me show you this, because what happened to them in the natural is what we are experiencing in the supernatural, in the spirit realm. Look at what God says. It says, this day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven. That's every demon under heaven in this earth. The fear of you. Who shall hear the report of you? And shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. I believe that when you really love God, you are a real threat to the enemy. So when you when you stand, that's why the Bible says, "Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." So we have to stand and fight. You don't want to give up. You want to you want to fight. I want to share something else with you that is so important today. I got to look at my time. And I won't go testimony anymore. <laughs> Mark chapter 4 verse 35 through 40. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. Who's speaking these words? That's God. Let us cross over to the other side. He says, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat. As he was. Basically, son of God. Just performed a great miracle. They saw it. And yes, they took him in. Into their boat. He was the one that told them. Let's cross to the other side. He says... Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. 
and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? We are crossing to the other side. You're going from one place to your destiny. It's always this way. Notice that they were, do, they were in God's perfect will, right? Because Jesus was the one that told them, let's cross to the other side. So they were actually in God's perfect will. Just because you are in God's perfect will doesn't mean a great windstorm will not come. You have to understand this. A great windstorm arose. Even though they were living God's perfect will, they were going to the other side. It's the same thing about life. Jesus has called us to himself. We are on our way to the other side, heaven. But right now, we will be dealing with great, not just windstorms, great windstorms. Notice what it says. They took him in just as he was. They had the Son of God right there with them. Did he stop the storm? No. Just because Jesus is in you and you are in his perfect will doesn't mean a great windstorm is not going to come your way. You got to deal with them. This is just God trying to help us see what life is all about. Jesus now lives in them. And he, I think the scripture was real clear when they said they took him in just as he was, right? They made you to recognize that they took him just as he was. He was the son of God right there with them. And then this great windstorm. It would have been really good for them to just, because the son of God was in the boat with them, for them to just look out and see the waves and feel the wind and just observe. That's not what it says. It was beating at the boat, right? The waves. Not only so, water was getting into the boat. And they were about to sink. And again, it seems as if God was not paying attention. That's life. We have to deal with these obstacles. When the difficult times come, that's not the time to quit. If Jesus is in your boat, your life, and is at rest in your life, there is no way that boat is going to sink. It can never sink. He already said, we are going to the other side. 
There is no way it's going to stay. Will the waves come? Will this great windstorm come? They'll come. But don't let that discourage you. Don't get fearful because of what's coming at you. We get so easily discouraged. You're praying to God about your family situation. You're praying about your husband or your wife. But the more you pray, it seems like things are going the other way. And so you just want to give up. Don't give up. Endure hardship. Be persistent. Persevere. Because God's not left you. He's right there. All you have to do, make sure you love him and he is at rest in your life. That boat is not going to sink. Notice what he asked them. He said, why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? Basically, he's saying, even though you can see the water coming into the boat, I still want a demand that you trust me. That's what he was saying. They saw the waves. I mean, natural people would react the way they reacted. But Jesus was saying to them, you shouldn't have reacted that way. I mean, your boat, even though you see the windstorm, great windstorm, and you see the water filling the boat, I still demand that you trust me. Amen. I still demand, God still demanding, trust me and not be fearful. Don't be fearful. So once you fear, you lose your trust for him. When you give up, you've given up on God. You took your hands off. Because these storms, these obstacles, they are supposed to come your way. I believe all of this that the disciples had to go through was what strengthened them. So that they became such solid believers after the Holy Spirit came into them on the day of Pentecost. They've seen everything. There was no need to be concerned anymore. This is what faith is all about. This is what faith is all about. Those obstacles will come. Those discouraging times will come. And whether it's in ministry or business or whatever you're doing, those times will come when it seems like nothing is moving. It seems like the money is not coming anymore. I just I have to learn not to pay any attention. Just continue to do things the way I was doing it like it's not there. Do I recognize it? Yeah, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to speak it. Just keep trusting God because God can never fail. His word can never return to him void. And I think we really honor him when we trust him and don't say anything negative. They said something negative. They said, don't you care that we... We, including Jesus, <laughs> perish. Who is going to make Jesus perish? But when you are looking at the storm, the storm becomes bigger than God. That's what's happening. That was what they were saying. Don't you care that we are perishing? We? What do you mean we? Jesus, Son of God, perished in the water that He created. Never going to happen. But when we are dealing with these things, in the natural, we cannot see. That's why we are spirit beings. And we have been born again. And the Spirit of God lives in us. That's why I encourage people, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Because when things like this come at you, <laughs> and I remember his story, <laughs> the Holy Spirit just wells up inside of you. There was a, I saw this story about this uh, lady that uh, was in this uh, dark, dark uh, parking lot. And uh, this guy had his gun or something and was going to rob her and uh, take her handbag. And he, he had his gun and was walking towards, towards uh, her, running towards her to get with the gun. And the lady said, I rebuke you in Jesus. And then she started speaking in tongues. And the guy, <laughs> with his gun, took off. He thought, because she was walking back and just speaking in tongues and just rebuking and just loud tongues. He's never heard anything like that. He's just, he's just a crazy woman. He took off. He took off. Something in her rose up. And she was not going to let that go. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 that we are not, sometimes we are not able to pray as we ought to. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And so, that's exactly what happened here. God will come in and really work with us. Let me say this. Don't let disappointment lead the way. Disappointments will come. Many times we are, you know, I'm, we are all in the same boat. I would have in my mind how God's going to do this, right? <laughs> you got it. This is the way God's going to do it. And many times he doesn't do it that way. And so when we have our minds so focused in the way that we thought God's going to do it, and God's not doing it that way, guess what we do? We get discouraged. We start, we don't call it complaining, <laughs> but that's exactly what many of us do. We start complaining, and uh, sometimes people ask the pastor, well, pastor, if God is widest, you're complaining. That's what it is. You're complaining. You must always understand that God will never leave you. What you must have in your head constantly. This is a key principle. And I want you to take, if nothing else tonight, take this with you. It's very important. Key principle. Don't let disappointment lead the way. Don't let disappointing circumstances or even people that have disappointed you, people that you put your trust in, and well, this person, and then they disappoint. They're not God. Don't let them lead. Let your faith in God and your love for God lead the way. And you will get to your promised land. Look at what the scripture says. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know. How many know tonight? And we know that some things. All things. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. God's telling us a key principle. You may not understand what God's doing behind the scene. It seems like as if you are sinking. Just like I believe Joseph may have felt 
things are going, getting worse. But God is positioning you, placing you in the right place where he can launch you. But if you get discouraged and you change your confession, you destroy yourself. You destroy yourself. It's so important that you stay with your confession. And don't ever let go of your confession. You remember that man who said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? God's already said you have mercy. God will never forsake us. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God. How many love God tonight? Doesn't matter what's happening in your life. They are all working for your good. Many times we think we're just in the natural. No, you are a spirit being. And when you are born again, you are in contact with the spiritual realm that's God. That's where you belong. Jesus said the kingdom of God is already here. And the kingdom of God is within you, right? Where you have the kingdom in you. And if you have the kingdom in you, let the kingdom out. Enjoy a little bit of the kingdom while you're here. All things work together for good. Don't complain. Because when you complain... You destroy your tongue, just like the people did before they went into the promised land. They destroyed their destiny with their tongue. Saying, we are not able to fight. We are not able to go. There are giants, the land and all of that. They never went in. And God said, what I heard from your mouth, that's what I'm going to give to you. All things, this is so clear. All things work together for good. Even though it may seem like this is not working out. Maybe you think I have made a mistake. Well, your mistake works out for God's good. Many times when you read in the Old Testament, it's so hard to put some things together. It don't make sense. I think about, um, what's the name of uh, Judah? Remember Judah and his son Onan and everything and the the daughter-in-law Tamar? Who will think from such bad situation you have the lineage of Jesus? It was so nasty if you read the whole story. It doesn't make, doesn't make a lot of sense. It seemed like a lot of wickedness going on there. And out of it, God was within his plan for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the word of God. We don't have to understand it. But we can, we can accept it. All things work together for good. To those who love God and are called according to whose purpose? 
his purpose. They all work for good for us. Even if it doesn't make sense, stay with it. Don't give up. Because God cooking something. God cooking something behind the scenes. Don't give up. Sometimes I believe we shouldn't even address those things that we see. We shouldn't even talk about them. You know, I'm going to be starting a new message, but I'm going to go to this, what I call the discipline of faith. Because there are, there are certain things that believers think, well, I have to express myself. You don't have to express yourself. I don't have to go around telling people I feel weak just for people to think I'm humble. If you're humble and weak, that's really bad. Jesus was humble, but he was strong, right? We have to stay with God's word. Many times, many, many times, the darkest times that you will have to endure in dealing with an an obstacle is usually the night before the miracle. He says, weeping is only permitted to last for one night. Joy comes in the morning. And that's when it's really difficult. And that's where the test is. Things will change. Abraham's darkest night was when he had to take Isaac up. But for that one night, God's covenant with him till today was sealed. We just read through the story and we're not really thinking. You know, sometimes, and I'm going to close with this, the life of David. David was anointed while he was probably 15, 16 years old. He became a king when he was about 40. And most of his life he was running. Even David himself said one time, he says, one day I'm going to be slain by this guy. He's going to get me. A man can't be this lucky. That's after Samuel, the greatest prophet in the land, had anointed him and said, God has found a man after God. Now he was running. In, um, at a particular stage, he acted like he was insane. Just to survive. Just to survive. A man that God anointed. Now we're reading the story after the fact. But leave it the way he was living it. Because he was a man just like us. And see how you go through it. That's where I like to focus when I'm reading scriptures. Going into the mind of David. If he was a man like me, what was he thinking? Ron, he had no place. He had to move his family from place to place so that Saul would not get to his family. Sometimes he gave his father and mother to an enemy king to, to protect from the king in his own land. That's when people say, are you sure Samuel really anointed you? <laughs> Are you sure that was Samuel or not a lookalike? Because if Samuel really anointed you, how come you got in so many troubles? 
You were in the palace. You killed Goliath. And now look. He got nothing to show for it. In fact, Nebel, I mean, I remember Nebel. He says, I'm not going to give my food to these losers. A lot of people that are fighting their masters, he said. But that's what he had to go through. And David's darkest night, the only obstacle he had to the throne, on the same day that that man was dying, David was having his darkest night. These men were even, were even talking about stoning him. David was not even thinking about kingdom this time. All he was thinking, save my family, survival. That's all he was thinking. If you read that story, there's a lot of things that God did just to protect David from fighting his own people. And God saved him from that. He got back home and found his wives, his children, everything gone. And his men. I mean, think about warriors. These guys wept so hard, they said they had no power to weep. They were so discouraged. And at the same time they were getting so discouraged, the, the throne and all the offices to the throne were being cleared for them to move into it. They just couldn't do it. But David did what was right. When the men were talk, talking about stoning him in First Samuel chapter 30, it says, Now David was greatly distressed. Can you say the word distressed? <laughs> I've been there. Not just distressed, he was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. These were his friends. These were guys he trained. They are dependent on him. Now they want to kill him. That happens often. They want to kill him. And so David was distressed. He, he, he had to deal with the situation that they were dealing with. He had lost his family. They all lost their family members because the Amalekites had come to remove them. Amalekites that uh, God told uh, Saul to destroy in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and he didn't do it. Now, the same individuals were back to take David's family. And all these guys, they cried. They were so hurt by this. It says, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. What does that mean? He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And as he did that, God showed up and gave him his miracle. Just because God has called you, just because you are living in, under God's will, doesn't mean you're not going to have problems or difficulties or obstacles in your way. Keep your dream. Don't let go of your dream. If it's ministry, if it's a business, your family life, your children, whatever it is, don't ever give up. God can take care of you. God can certainly take care of you. 
Many days I have to remind myself. Jesus said, look at the birds of the earth. They don't take care of themselves. They don't. So I take, I take care of them. I feed them. And he says to us, you are more valuable to God than the birds. Jesus said, not even one of those birds will fall to the ground. Without God's eyes, yeah, I see that. And he says, are you not more valuable than they? Why are you so concerned? All things work together for good. Stop worrying. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. The obstacles are to, to, to build you up, not to destroy you. God allowed them to build character in you so that you can occupy your promised land. Stand with me tonight. I hope by the grace of God you got encouraged tonight. And pick up that battle. There's something in your head that you're dealing with right now that's saying to you, this is not going to work. And what's telling you that is because you are taking inventory of everything that you know in the natural. But I want to tell you this. Jesus said, I have given you a mouth and a wisdom that your enemy cannot withstand against you. I want you to use your mouth to reverse those things tonight. Amen? Tell those things. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And your tongue is sanctified because you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't give up on anything. Don't give up on anything tonight. The Bible says, if two of us shall agree concerning anything, God's going to do it. If we are on the earth, Jesus said, as long as you are on the earth and you agree, God will do it. That's a great formula for me. I've tried this formula. It works every time. It really works. I try to get people to be in agreement with me. And if I can really feel that they are in agreement with me, things happen. I've tried this. It works. Believe me, it does. So tonight, I want, I'm going to be in agreement with you. Whatever it is, I want to be in agreement with you. We're going to reverse that thing tonight. Amen? We're going to reverse that thing tonight. We've got to believe God tonight. I, I want you to agree with me. We have a supernatural religion because God is at the top of it. And he never sleeps. He never slumbers. His eyes are on everything that's happening in your life. He knows all. But he is able to change those things that are negative for that which is positive. We can believe God tonight. How many would trust God even while the boat is sinking? Because Jesus is at rest in your soul. Amen? Let's raise our hands up to the Lord today. And whatever that thing is, begin to tell it. You're going to change. You're going to change. You will. You have no choice. You will change. I'm getting to my destiny. I know what God has put in my heart. I know what God's put in my heart. I know what I desire. And God has said, the desires of a righteous man shall be granted. Are you righteous before God? Yes, you are. Because you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous before God. Get hold, get hold of that desire. 
refuse to let it go because Jesus said, the word of God says, the desires of a righteous man, a righteous woman shall be granted. And God is not a man that he should lie. If he had said, he would do it. If he had spoken, he would make it good. It's never too late. It's never too late. God will take care of his children. He loves you dearly. He'll take care of you. Father, tonight I'm in agreement with my brothers and sisters with regards to the desires of our heart. We believe you are a good God and that you came down from heaven to bless us, that God will be with us and no, nothing in life will be against us. Father, in Jesus' name, all these negative circumstances in the lives of your people that they are addressing to you tonight, I'm in agreement with them in the name of Jesus. I'm in agreement with them in the spirit in the name of Jesus. And I commend those situations to be reversed in the name of Jesus. I commend them to be reversed. Spirit of the living God, you are the one who creates. Create something new in their lives this very hour in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We thank you, O God, because you are with us. Thank you, O God, for the power of the Holy Spirit that changes things. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you. We serve a living God, a risen Christ. There is nothing that's impossible with you, O God. And we believe in you. We believe in your miracle-working power. It is even at work right now inside of us. And thank you for the circumstances that are changing our, in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Just give God praise and thank, thank Him for this circumstance that's changing right now in your life. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. And refuse to entertain doubt, even if you see it in the natural. That's what the devil wants to do to us. He'll show us these things in the natural. And you hear these words and everything, people. Ignore them. Let God be true and every man a liar, including that circumstance. Because the circumstance will change. There is nothing that's impossible with God. I want you to leave this place tonight with a smile on your face. It doesn't matter what's happening to you. Because I believe we at the Ark Fellowship, we serve the Lord Jesus. And it's not a standby Jesus. He's at work. He said, my father works up till now, and I work. God's working. Amen? I got to let you all go. <laughs> I'm too excited and wired up. But there will be no testimony. <laughs> God bless you all.